This episode is sponsored by Oribi. Hey guys, I've got a quick question for you. How many of you are tired of using Google Analytics? I bet quite a few of you are raising your hands right now. Understanding where and why you lose site visitors before they convert is hard. With Google Analytics, you not only have to get your developers involved with coding events, but you also have to struggle through endless piles of data just to figure out what's causing your leads to drop out. Seriously, it's kind of a nightmare. Well, you'll be excited to hear that there's now a better way to analyze your website and get actionable insights. Meet Oribi. Oribi is a unique marketing analytics tool that captures all the events visitors perform on your website without using any code. Oribi enables you to analyze visitor behavior patterns, build smart funnels, and get tons of insights so you always know what your next step is. Finally, you'll be able to understand your visitors and know what to change in order to convert more. No more blind spots. To start your free trial, visit oribi.io slash district or use the coupon code district and get a free 14-day trial today. Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Akil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the top methods to scale and grow your SaaS business and why investors are loving the SaaS industry. Today, we have our guest, Michael Beroslavsky, joining us. Michael is the founder and CEO at Domain Magnet, an M&A and micro-private equity firm with over 14 years of experience buying, optimizing, and selling profitable online businesses. Michael has been working in the online businesses since 2004, which has enabled him to learn how to effectively build and monetize websites and grow online businesses uh, and as an expert now in SaaS as well. So welcome, Michael. Super excited to have, to have you on the SaaS District Show today. Hi, Kim. Glad to be here. So I want to start with the benefits, right? As an investor, you know, we love SaaS. I love SaaS. You love SaaS. Everybody's trying to get into it. Um, the market is growing. Uh, we know, you know, we love the predictable revenues, the flexible licensing model, low distribution costs. Um, but from your point of view, what would you say are the most attra- attractive aspects of the model for, for investors? And why should they be considering this asset class versus some of the other ones? You know, maybe traditional real estate where there's some actual assets behind it. And that's usually the, you know, when we're talking to LPs, they usually come from that, that route. They're, they're used to investing into big, uh, you know, uh, physical real estate projects. And then, you know, they look at SaaS, they see the differences. So I'd love to hear your, your opinion on that. Yeah, I think the biggest, the most attractive thing about SaaS companies is you just have unlimited potential. Investors could could look at the the, the growing SaaS project and consider that it might be the next Facebook, it might be the next uh, uh, Pinterest or one of those huge huge companies. Because if you have a scalable model and and, and you have a proven track record, uh, sky is the limit. Mm. So you're you're currently investing in SaaS, and you've also invested in you know different you know uh, content sites. I'm assuming right some affiliate sites. Um, wh- why why do you like SaaS over the other ones? Yeah, so we've we've done uh, we've done a few hundred deals over the past sixteen years or so, buying different uh, sites, companies. Uh, mostly we've focused on content businesses. We also acquired quite a few SaaS deals. So currently we have three three SaaS companies we operate. Uh, it's it's different. I'd say first of all, the disadvantage from our perspective of SaaS of acquiring SaaS companies is the prices are just a bit higher compared to content businesses, and the difference can be substantial. It's also the supply is a lot lower. It's much harder to find uh, SaaS businesses, specifically in our price range. And we right now focus on deals in like 
mid six to to low seven figures in price mm-hmm. range. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, there is a lot more content businesses, but the benefits, of course, are that they are generally more more stable, more secure. There are more things you can do to grow a SaaS business compared to a content business, and the risks are typically lower with content businesses. With the, if there isn't Google updates, it's become really high risk also. Mm. Yeah, I guess also with with content websites, I mean, the, I mean, there's some benefits there, right? You have low, uh, you know, overall expenses, right? You you can you know run it with one person, or you can have a team manage a portfolio of of several content sites, right? Whereas you know, if you have a SaaS company, you know, you usually need to build a team, and you know, the the, the cost can get expensive, especially if you're getting into development and you know building new feature sets. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious. You know, you said valuations are the biggest ones. Uh, what would you say? Are, you know, what are the differences you're seeing? What's the the big gap you're seeing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with soft companies, it's it's not uncommon to have no profit because you just have to reinvest everything into into growth. While with content businesses, it would be quite rare if you have an established profitable content size. It would be quite rare that, uh, like, you usually just don't have that as much opportunity to reinvest profits. So, so you you would always be profitable typically. Mm. Um, so it's a big difference. Yeah, and. Um, but but the the downside of content businesses, of course, they cannot grow exponentially. You you can grow, you can double it, you can triple it, you can grow it a little bit more and more. But you cannot uh, like it's just unrealistic to look at a content business and say this can grow twenty times or fifty times. It just never happens. Yeah. Well, with SaaS companies, it's quite it's quite reasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so you've been doing this right since two thousand four, right? It's been over over sixteen, seventeen years. Well, um, can you yeah. describe from your perspective, like what's what's been the difference in the landscape of when you started? Uh, to how it is now, can you can you share some some stories there? Yeah, sure. Yeah, my my path has been probably different from 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 yours. I think okay, and from many people in the industry that who who come from the private equity background, who come from from like understanding how this this structure works and already working with investors. While I just came into it, um, well, back in two thousand four, I was a student. I has no I had no money, and I was just. I learned somewhere that you can make money online, and at that time there was no no courses, no like no no one was sharing anything online, like no blogs, nothing really. It was like very much wild wild west. There were just a few forums, and I could um, I was reading everything I could find and like building some sites and trying to buy some small sites here and there. And gradually, I stumbled upon some things that worked, and started buying bigger and bigger sites, and um, growing the portfolio, growing our team. But the the marketplace has shifted tremendously. We came from from a space where there were no established brokerages or marketplaces or brokers or like deal makers or anything like that. To now, we are probably halfway to being uh, very organized. Uh, structured market in, in terms mm. of buying online businesses. Mm. So the market has evolved a lot. And what that means is that um, the margins have, have shrunk. Like you, 10 years ago, you used to be able to find just these incredible deals where you would pay pretty much nothing and then just grow, like just absolutely incredible. Yeah, like I was, um, for example, I had these deals early on there. I would buy a website for like $700 and then just make a few small changes. And a couple of months later, it generates a thousand dollars per month. 
and like consistently and then just sell it for like $20,000. And, you know, and many similar, similar uh, deals like the websites that I acquired that were making $500, $1,000 per month. And then just if small things could, could, could just grow them double, triple right away. Hmm. Now it's practically impossible. With SaaS businesses as well, 10, 15 years ago, you could buy them for for just 10 times the, the, the revenue or the, or the usually they were, they, were, uh, they were priced based on the revenue for the smaller ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now it has really changed a lot. The, the multiples have grown. There is a lot more buyers in the markets. The markets oh, are right. a lot more mature. There's yeah. also a lot more investors, a lot more capital. Um, so I think the biggest shift is the shift from... Um, like like now we are in in a in a seller's market where there are a lot more buyers, a lot more people with capital willing to buy quality businesses versus actual quality supply in the market. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So okay, so the tables of terms. So if you've got a product, it's yeah. a good time to to build something, and you'll get you know offers pretty quickly. Um, just want to touch yeah. base a little bit more on valuations, right? So you understand how sales valuations, you know, typically pin to you know revenue growth is a, is a big thing we look at. Uh, you have churn, um, and then you know, there's a bunch of other metrics we look at to to determine what the right range is. What would you say are some of the SaaS metrics that matter the most in in, in your and when you guys are evaluating some of these companies and what would you be paying, you know, for for um, for a SaaS company today? What are the valuations you're paying in the mar- in today's market? Yeah, good question. Uh, so, so there is a big gap that I'm noticing in SaaS valuations in between like slightly low end businesses that in in our range and below, um, and in our range we, we buy businesses with probably a maximum of maybe like two three hundred MRR, uh, like two three hundred like like annual uh, revenues. Mm-hmm. And we, we typically focus on, on profits. So we, we, we value based on the, the annual profits. And generally, we are seeing somewhere around three to five X on profits in, in, in that range of under, um, in, in that range of like up to like low seven figures. Um, and and, and uh, even now, like just recently, I had a, um, I had a, a, a recorded an episode on our podcast with with uh, another investor who acquired a SaaS business just uh, last month for 2.4 million. And he acquired it at about five times the annual profit. It was a solid growing SaaS business. And he he thought it was a very good deal. So that, you know, he was quite happy with that. The investors were quite happy. So the, the multiples are certainly growing very fast. But the for us, we, we tend to buy on the lower end. So we, we try to really focus on finding great deals. So we typically pay no more than like 3x. Uh, sometimes you would pay a little bit higher than 3x, but generally we, we really focus on, 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 uh, on making like uh, this lower end deals. And what that means is like sometimes we go in industries that might be um, like less desirable among uh, among buyers, right? So we are able to get good deals. Other times we just go like really find these private deals where people haven't really considered selling, so that allows us to negotiate better. Other times we just find deals where we can see things where we can improve really quickly, uh, so that it makes sense to pay more. And and the gap that I mentioned is that as you go bigger, and I'm sure you've noticed that. Again, that one, once you get to like a million uh, dollars annual uh, revenue 
or something in that range relation just change it drastically because when suddenly you, you start looking at at revenue you don't look at profit anymore and you look exactly. at revenue growth and you look at it all those other metrics and relations could be like five or ten times the annual revenue because then you have VCs who are interested and uh, it like the, the discussion goes only about further growth, like could this be a billion dollar company or not pretty much versus exactly. when you are at the lower end, you are just looking at profit and saying, okay, uh, if I'm going to pay three times the profit or five times the profit, is that reasonable? So that's really the interesting thing about SaaS companies that I'm noticing. It's a different strategy, right? One is saying, okay, can, can we get 20, 30, 40% cash on cash return? Um, whereas, you know, when you're on the growth and you're, you know, you're break even or, or you're not focused on profitability, um, yeah, the focus is more on the exit, right? You're going to focus on high level yeah. growth and, you know, two, three years, you know, you're going to double, triple the company, you're going to sell for higher valuation and, you know, everybody wins. So yeah, it's a different game, but yeah, we're, we're, if you're getting a deal at 3X, you know, we, we love that. I mean, it's hard to get anything at 3X these days, especially in SaaS. Um, you know, five would be, you know, like, the, you know, four to five, four to six is what we're seeing or for Ibra side. But yeah, generally... ARR, you know, it's two, three, even four X is what we're seeing. Um, yeah, the, <clears throat> yeah, we are in a slightly lower range when, when you are at. So I would say the the price range matters. So if you go like a bit of a lower price range, the the multiples are usually a bit lower as well. Well, while as you go bigger, the, the businesses are a lot more established, and the multiples are also higher, and there is more capital. Yeah. Mm. Now, what do you think about some of these, you know, new and upcoming platforms and, and marketplaces like MicroAcquire for for SaaS acquisition as a first time buyer? And I'll say this because, so you mentioned that that the model, but if you go on there, like there's so much demand for some of these deals. Like, mm-hmm. so those deals under 500k, you're gonna look at, uh, like they're asking 10x, right? 10x ARR, not even 10x profit, and they're they're getting yeah. offers. So I don't I don't know what's going on in the market these days, but I find like if you're under 500 million or 500k. Like I feel the valuation is actually a lot higher, so maybe you're seeing something different. And curious to hear your thought. Yeah, I, I don't know about that old store. Like we, we've looked into it a little bit. We've we've mm-hmm. joined it and checked around and um, contacted many different people, and it it was just crazy. Like people asking for ten times the the revenues. Uh, we we couldn't find anything like good for us to potentially consider acquiring. Mm. Um, I, I I just don't I don't have the data, so I'm not sure if people are actually buying it like five ten times the revenue for the smaller companies, or if or if that's just the listing prices. Maybe there is a huge gap between listing and selling Possibly. prices. So honestly, yeah. I just don't know. I don't have the data. But if you look at at the data from like other established brokerages, F International, yeah. Empire Flippers, like the rest, um, um, and also through our brokerage, Deal Flow Brokerage. We've, we've had a few, we've sold a few SaaS companies. So what we are seeing is like a four or five X mm. uh, on profit for SaaS companies seems, seems reasonable. But well, what also, are some steps you, uh, oh, sorry, consider? Yeah, sorry. Also, there is a big difference in quality. So, mm. um, you know, you have like the SaaS projects that, that have a ceiling, the SaaS projects that, that are in a specific niche. And then you have the SaaS projects that really can grow exponentially. Uh, so there can be quite a big gap between based based on quality, based on potential. Mm. And if, if I'm somebody looking to maybe buy my first SaaS business, right? Whether I'm an mm. existing SaaS founder looking to do a roll up, uh, maybe I own an agency, or you know I'm a consultant, or you know just somebody in the SaaS industry, and I understand it, and I want to buy my first company. I'm looking to this. What are some steps you suggest them to to find a good deal out there and maybe make their first acquisition? 
Yeah, it's a good question. Um, yeah, so, so if, if you are, first of all, I would not uh, advise like first-time buyers who don't have experience running a sales company to really look into buying a sales company because it's, it's complex. Uh, but if you already have, if you're a founder, if you, if you already have experience venture, so I would say just look into capital, understand what, what is your current capital, what is the capital that you can raise, uh, and maybe start talking to some investors to get a better idea of what, what is, like, what is the range, the price range for you based on the capital that you can raise. And then once you have the price range narrowed down, figure out what are, what is the type of business that you want? What are some aspects of the business that it needs to have in order for you to have the most chance of success to grow it? And once you have those two things, that's, that's when you can really go to the market, start looking. Um, the, the best way to, to find deals, by the way, which, which is trivial and <laughs> often overlooked, is just check for your network, uh, especially if sales founders. They usually know many other sales founders. And mm. the easiest and the best way is just ask your friends, do they want to sell and tell them, hey, I have this kind of capital commitments and uh, see who wants to sell. And mm. that's a great way to start conversations. And people might not be ready to sell yet, uh, but they would come back to you three, six, 12 months later. And that's how you get the deal. So that's been our experience also. Yeah, yeah, we heard with that as well. Just throwing it out there and saying, hey, we're looking at this and somebody refers yeah. you over a deal. Yeah, we get that quite a bit. Um, and so when it comes to the financing part, you know, getting your capital in order, what do you suggest for maybe some uh, some other unconventional financing to use debt or is it just, you know, capital access for, for some of these acquisitions through mm -hmm. LPs or, or where are you getting most of your capital from? Yeah, so that's, uh, I'm, honestly, I'm not an expert on that. Mm -hmm. uh, just this, this past two or three years have been uh, a big learning experience on how to raise capital because until that, We've, we've just used our own capital. And what I've learned so far is uh, just, just having good deals, having good track records, that's really essential because that's the first thing investors look at. If you have a track record, then you can say, these are the deals we've done, this is the profit we've generated, and you have um, you, you can really explain them and, and you have some history and you have a brand, that's, that's essential. And yeah, and beyond that, for now, all we've done is equity deals and we've tried different structures, um, some more successful with others. Uh, and yeah, and we, we've, we've done, so we, we have two funds. We, we have a third fund that we are raising currently and we have two funds. We are operating to small funds and we also have a few private investors uh, with different small portfolios with us who are, uh, who we acquire and manage businesses for Mm. So we are still, I'd say, experimenting with different, uh, with different uh, investing structures. Yeah. And yeah, now we, mm. yeah, so now we are doing our first, basically our first group buy where we are acquiring a business just under a million with, with um, a small group of different investors. Uh, so we are sort of mixing in different structures and just still seeing to see what's, what's best for everyone. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So when did you decide to launch your the first investment fund, and how how long did you say it take you to to go through that to raise it, and you know go through the whole you know process of completing that that fund, and and then actually closing on some deals after that? Yeah, so that was about three years ago, and I I, I knew nothing about raising capital at the time. So the first thing I did was just Google it, <laughs> how do you raise funds, and then I also asked a few friends. 
one of one of my friends was Joe Magnotti, the founder of Empire Flippers. So he gave me some really good advice, and I asked a few others. And um, and then I decided that I would just send an email to my newsletter at the time, and I had a small list, and just tell them that this is what I've been doing, uh, and these are some results, and and I'd like to start doing that with some investor capital, and had a few people respond, and when we we spoke, like I did a I did a small webinar. I explained the, the plan and uh, we had a few people who were interested. And then in the end, we just picked, I picked one person to move forward with. Mm. And we had like, a, we started with a smaller deal and then I did a couple more deals. And then that person had uh, some of his uh, family actually join the deals, mm. his brothers, sisters. And then we, we just, uh, put that together into a fund. So once we had a few deals together, we decided that it's time to make it a fund. So it wasn't, so it was the opposite of how funds are usually born. You know, mm. first you, you set up a fund and you raise the capital. So we just first did one deal and a couple more deals. And then we decided to accommodate them to a fund. If our mm. second fund, it was uh, more of the proper structure that we had a fund first and then we, we defined exactly what kind of deals we are looking for and then we acquired some deals. And how long did it take you, would you say, to you know, one, raise the, the capital and then uh, how long did you take to deploy it after that? So with, with that first fund, uh, was like a few months until we, start, until we, we had uh, some plan in place and then maybe a couple months until we found the right deal and acquired it and then a few more months to get a few more deals. And then like a few more months to actually set it up into a fund. With the second fund, I was, um, with the second fund, there was a, was a small family fund and the, they, they actually contacted us. They wanted us to run a fund for them. Mm. So, uh, so once we contacted, we just discussed it, negotiated and set it up. With the third fund now, that's been quite a hustle because we are doing it, uh, we are doing it with Assure, we are doing it with a law firm. We've been setting up all the structures in place and we are, um, so, so we make sure that everything is compliant so we can accept uncredited investors. So that's been uh, ongoing for about like half a year or a year, like a year total in, like in planning. So, yeah. it's, so, it's, so it's taken some time, yeah. Mm. So that's, uh, but, but that uh, it was a learning experience. If the group buy now, that's quite quick. So we just send an email um, and we already have some of our existing investors um, uh, like respond and confirm. So I think that's sort of the fastest. Once mm. we have a, yeah, we have a quick deal, we have an easy structure, we know how we would do it. We, we would be able to set it up quickly in a week. So uh, what I've learned is we can structure a deal like that in just a couple of weeks um, and then basically execute quickly. A quick note from our sponsors today, and we'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Contentfy.co, a premium podcast editing and repurposing agency for busy content creators just like you. Are you spending too much time editing your podcast and end up with no time to stay on top of also publishing, sharing, reaching new listeners, while also staying ahead of the latest podcasting trends? Don't worry, Contentfy has you covered. You no longer need to worry about spending hours editing and repurposing anymore. Just record your content and they handle the rest. Contentfy is an end-to-end 
podcast editing and repurposing agency to help you grow your podcast by editing and repurposing quickly, easily, and reliably to share all over your social networks. And if you haven't even noticed, I also use them for the SaaS District podcast. So join other busy content creators just like you and me and start saving time and money while you grow your podcast show. Visit contentfi.co to learn more today. Um, cool. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, it is, it is kind of time consuming. I understand, you know, even yeah. from, from all sides, right? Getting the investors committed, finding the right deal, structuring it, you know, styling LOI, going through due diligence. I mean, it never goes as everything as planned, but yeah, you have to be, it's a patience yeah. game for sure. Right. Yeah. And how, how do you do, do you do, you do funds or do you do like one, one structure per deal? Uh, so we've always done deal by deal basis. So we've, uh, yeah, I've always done it by group by, we have investors, we go out and we have a list of, you know, uh, our called investment club. So people actually apply if they want to be part of that. And yeah, once we have a deal, we, we circulate it, get gather interest. Um, you know, already have some valuation range in mind where we think we can add value. And if we feel like it's a, it's a good deal, we go out and make an offer and get into due diligence. Um, but right now we're actually just finished up um, you know, our deck around raising a fund as well. So I think that's probably the the next thing we're looking to raise about 10 million, uh, and then probably just do that across, uh, probably three different deals over the next, uh, probably two year or two. So we, we only do, like I said, one deal, maybe every four to six months. Uh, we don't try to deploy it so quickly. We like, you know, slightly bigger deals, maybe worth, you know, 3 million, uh, three to 5 million. Um, and then, but we'll do, you know, one, one or two a year rather than, you know, one every couple months. So a little bit, a little yeah, bit. Of a good, yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, that's a good strategy. Yeah. yeah, and and so what did you find? I'm curious how the, the times compare. Like, how how long do you find it takes you to raise the for, for a group buy once you have once you have a deal? Um, so it depends during COVID or, or after. But during COVID was a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> I mean, we we had a deal and we're like, okay, like a lot of investors were like, hold on, hold on, let's just see what's going on. Uh, but after that, yeah, generally. You know, it, it takes a little bit. You know, a lot of them they they ask a lot of questions. They want to go back and forth. So, um, it could take anywhere between you know, you know, some will say two weeks, but generally, you know, about about six weeks. I would say before we, you know, there there's you know commitment, signed out, you know, subscription agreement, and then wired. So six to eight weeks is kind of what we say. Yes, that sounds about reasonable. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, just to add to that, so. The reason I actually decided to start working with investors back three years ago was when I had this really good deal that we found this really amazing private deal for a company that was earning uh, about 150000 per year in profit and they mm-hmm. were selling for less than 300000 And we just couldn't raise fun, uh, funds quick enough. Uh, we didn't have enough uh, cash at the time and we, like I talked to a few investors, and while, while uh, until we found the commitments, uh, uh, the business was sold already. And it was so disappointing. Uh, and and y- 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 you may have had similar cases, you know, so that I realized after that, that okay, we have to, we have to have some, uh, some investors on board already before you, so that when we find deals, we can do it quicker. That's exactly it, right? We have this, this, it just makes your decision a lot, you know, easier when you go out and make a deal. You don't want to, yeah, you don't, you don't want to, you know, go through due diligence, you know, waste a lot of time and yeah. then, you know, you can't close the deal. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's definitely another thing. And also we, we're finding, you know, some of the bigger investors we have, like, you know, some family offices. The reason why we went up market as well is, you know, they, they want to see a little bit bigger deals, right? They want to deploy a little bit more capital. They want to come in for, you know, half a million, million dollar checks, yeah. but they want to see million, you know, in ARR. So 
you know, the more sophisticated investors will want to see, you know, more stability and, and it seems that's where the sweet spot is but that we've seen anyways. Yeah. So that's something we, we haven't really worked with family offices yet. Mm. Uh, just, just briefly had some interactions, but I'm curious how that, how it usually goes. Do they, um, do they ask for like your previous track record? Are you able to show that? How they, would they ask that? Have, have you acquired a similar business before and been able to grow it? Like a that. little bit, yeah. I mean, you're, the track record is going to be your big thing. Um, how have you yeah. done deals together, your team? Uh, but I mean, generally, you know, structure is probably the least important. Um, you know, they want to show how you're going to show return. How are you going to add value? And what's your? How are you going to operate it? Right. Those are the yeah. big things. So yeah, very good. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, adding to that, you know, what, what are some of the methods you like? How do you like to grow a business? Right. You have a SaaS business specific. Mm-hmm. Do you have any favorite, you know, playbooks you like to apply? Yeah, sure. So the big thing for us is we look for businesses that have mostly SEO traffic. So mostly organic Google mm-hmm. traffic. Mm-hmm. That's where the, we, we excel the most. So we are able to, we have a really, really, um, professional team on that. And my, my, my personal expertise as well, since I've always been involved in, in, in content and organic traffic sites. And that's where we focus a lot of our attention, just um, reviewing everything, reviewing the content, analyzing it, optimizing things, expanding more and more uh, content, building backlinks, um, optimizing whatever we can for, for different campaigns. That's one thing. Then uh, often uh, in our price range, it might not be the same in your price range, but in our price range, many businesses don't, if they have organic traffic, they don't use paid traffic. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing we, we try to do. Paid traffic, affiliate traffic, often um, it's often sort of un- underutilized. People, uh, if it's a company that's under a million dollars in value, uh, there is generally just one founder. There is not usually a team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, they usually just focus on one, uh, one channel of acquisition. So what we see is there is a lot of value to add in other channels and at least First, we would start testing all of them, mm-hmm. see what works best, and then uh, continue scaling. So, um, uh, increasing organic traffic. Uh, I'm trying some 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 paid traffic, some social acquisition. Also, uh, building up email list if it doesn't have it yet. Um, and then, of course, we work a lot more on understanding the customer journey and looking at how we can improve it. How can we can improve the customer experience? Uh, add some. Maybe some uh, some some upsells, uh, things like that, and just just keep tinkering and improving it. Nice, and yeah. Features. I mean, uh, yeah. So, is your team focused more on, on the the marketing side per se? So, I'm yeah. assuming this is more you know SMB self serve model. I'm, I'm assuming, you know deals that are you know have a lot of sales and you know there's a lot of enterprise level deals. I'm assuming that it, it probably wouldn't work as as good, right? Um, we we have a mix. It's I would say it's mostly. Uh, B2C, so it's mostly like uh, directly customer-oriented. We do like mm-hmm. to buy some B2B as well. Uh, we do some of that. But yeah, we, because with SEO traffic also, it's more common to have uh, uh, direct with, with customers. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so last point around SaaS. You know, you talk about this, something you mentioned before, which is the big secret in the SaaS space. What is that? I don't know if you've already talked about it, but what, what is that secret that you want to reveal to everybody? Um, yeah, yeah, that's, I would say that's the one that I mentioned regarding the big gap in evaluation. So that mm-hmm. if you, if you acquire a business that's, uh, that's below a certain, uh, a certain le- revenue, uh, revenue, st- um, 
structure, then, then you can really evaluate it based on profit below a certain range. And then if you are able to really grow it and go above that, on that step where, where you, where you get the, the interest of um, venture capital of all these different funds that might invest, that might invest in you for growth, mm. then the evaluation is completely different because then they look at how fast are you growing? How, how high is your revenue? Even if you are not profitable. And so that I think is the biggest opportunity in, in SaaS right now is if you buy a SaaS company based on a profit, annual profit evaluation, a company that is growing or has the opportunity to grow very quickly. And then you just reinvest everything into growing very rapidly and you are able to increase it, maybe double, triple, and then you just go and get uh, go to someone like Y Combinator or, or all the other different funds and venture capital firms who would invest based on a 10x or even 20x revenue um, multiple. So, yeah, yeah. So the gap could be huge. The difference yeah. is huge. Nice. Uh, so, Michael, want want to switch gears? Um, you know, talk about a little bit more on, on the personal side. You know, a little you know more rapid fire type questions. Um, sure. I'll start with you know. Maybe tell us what was your vision, you know, with with uh, your company, Domain Magnet, your portfolio, and your fund, and maybe what is your long term goal with your business at um, how you see it evolving over time? Sure. So initially, I was uh, testing things for quite a bit, doing a lot of different things, lots of different deals. Uh, I was involved in uh, also, so I was I was buying and selling a lot of different online businesses, and I've done a bit of everything. So I have like such a wide range of expertise. I pretty much know a little bit of everything. I've done some adult sites at some point. Mm-hmm. I've like, I've, I've done some like selling physical products, digital products. Uh, so like a bit of everything. Um, I've also done some real estate in a few different countries where I lived, like I sold them, like bought, sold, flip, ho- flipped houses. I've invested in domain names quite a bit as well. I've sold hundreds of domain names, um, uh, like premium, ultra premium domains. I still have a portfolio, uh, like a passive portfolio of domain names. And um, yeah, what I've so, so I've experimented with a lot of different things and just to to understand what what works best for for me for our team, and what we came up more recently with is this kind of structure of just uh, focusing on finding really great deals. And that's where we really excel at because we have this network we've, we've assembled over the past 16 years of entrepreneurs, people, we have deals coming to us. So we are often able to find deals, uh, better deals than anyone else. And um, so, so our structure is really finding those deals, arranging those deals, and then raising the capital for them. And, um, and then finding the best people to, to grow them. And we have that too. And yeah, and that's, that's the objective going forward. So we, we aim to do maybe five, six deals a year, maybe a bit more if there are some small deals as well. And targeting that range of, uh, from mid six figures price range to like low seven figures. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so after, after a couple of years, once we feel more comfortable in that range, I think we'll start looking to some bigger ranges as well. But I do think that this range actually presents the best opportunities right now in terms of generating profit. And of course, it's different. It's different from what you are in because what you are in is you're looking more towards the exit, right? You're looking more towards 
uh, growth potential. While where we are, we look more towards kind of more short-term improvements. So these businesses that we acquire, our plan is usually looking at uh, two, three years ahead and then seeing what, what we can improve and grow. Right. Yeah, shorter, shorter horizon. I mean, it's it's yeah, all valid, yeah. right? It's just like buying real estate. Yeah, you want to, but exactly. you want to be a flipper? Do you want to be a property manager? I mean, they're, they're all good business models. Just what what works for you and how you want to be, um, you know, involved in that. So there's no yeah, right absolutely. Answer. So uh, yeah, so our model is more still flipping, but uh, flipping over a shorter a shorter time frame of maybe two or three years. Mm. And what I've seen is that most things that we do. Uh, SEO, CRO, like getting some extra features, all those kind of things which, which generally can be implemented within the time frame and you can get all the results within the time frame. Now, if yeah. you are looking for a longer, uh, longer term, you know, scaling and growing a business, that's quite different. That's a different sort of skills, different types of businesses, a different structure. In the- yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. If you were to rebuild and start maybe domain magnet today, although, you know, start from scratch, how hard do you think it would be? And you know, what, maybe what would you do differently? Oh, that's an interesting question. Well, mm. it depends. Do what, what about the capital? Like, do I have money or do I just start from scratch? Uh, you're starting from scratch today. Like you have nothing. I mean, no you maybe you have your experience. You have no money, okay. uh, but you have your experience. But you know, you don't have maybe that. You have that network. Maybe you don't. Like, what would you do? Because you've obviously dabbled right. in a bunch of things, but you have the same brand. You have the same name. You can go. You just say go. That's all you got to do. Yeah, good question. I'd say, I'd say the biggest like opportunity with no money or little money is just buying and flipping some smaller sites now. Mm. Uh, so I would probably start by buying some smaller content sites, depending on how much money I had, could be just a few thousand dollars each or like tens of thousands or even a bit, bit bigger. And then just buying and, you know, growing and improving and flipping them. That's, that's how I started. That's what's been most profitable. And then, and, and also I would look to work with investors. Uh, right away, I would start working with investors. So, so if I had the, all the track record and everything, then I might even just, just start with that right away, just looking for finding some deals and mm-hmm. then getting the capital to go and execute them. So, so pretty much the same thing we are doing, just maybe a little bit smaller because we would have less money. Makes sense. Um, who or what, or would you say some, your favorite resources? These can be books. Uh, or maybe people, it's going to be mentors or people you follow that you, you'd say have been the most instrumental to your success over these last few years and helped you a lot in your way? So it's an interesting question. To be honest, I don't have any at this point. I've had different people that I used to follow and um, and I have, um, have, a, have a pretty big network at this point and many people that I interact with on a regular basis. We also have our masterminds and um, different group calls. And, and I, I learned from everyone. I'm, um, I learned quite a bit from you right now, actually, <laughs> from this <laughs> call. So I, I, my approach is just learn wherever you can. But, uh, but also I think beyond a certain point, once you have enough experience, you have to just trust yourself mostly, trust your own judgment, trust your, your own sort of gut feeling. Mm. And that's the best way to go. So once you have accumulated enough, enough experience, enough expertise in the industry, then yeah. Okay. Um, what does success mean to you today? I mean, you've had a, you know, quite a bit of a track record, kind of all over the place, dabbled in a bunch of different ventures. And this could be, you know, whether it's personally, business, financial, life, uh, no right answer. How do you yeah. define it? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, for now, success for me is different from what it used to be. So now I look more at having a balance, a balance between uh, business, balance between the personal life, 
balance between the stress of doing deals and also uh, being able to rest and relax and take some time off. And also the balance between the deals being a win-win for everyone. So uh, we, we try to make sure that the deals are good for the sellers, good for, for us as buyers, good for investors, so that everyone benefits and, and the customers as well. Nice. Awesome. This, is, this has been good chatting with you, Michael. I appreciate you jumping on the SaaS District Show today. Um, if anybody listening in wants to, to reach out to you or just wants to talk, uh, where's the best place to get in touch and learn more about you and, and uh, Domain Magnate? Yeah, sure. Um, so check out our podcast, The Domain Magnate Show, where we talk, we, we have uh, weekly or, semi, or bi-weekly podcast uh, episodes we release and we talk to different business owners, uh, buyers, sellers, people who run portfolios of businesses and different industry leaders. And also you're welcome to uh, look up uh, my, to look me up on LinkedIn, on Facebook, uh, look up Michael Bereslavsky at Domain Magnate. And or feel free to send me an email, michael at domainmagnate.com. I'm always happy to reply. Okay, awesome, Michael. We'll add all those links in our show notes for people to check out and, and also check out your podcast. Thank you so much for, for jumping on today. Thanks, Akil, and pleasure to chat. Cheers. Thank you all for listening in to this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SaaS industry. If you're a SaaS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at horizoncapital.com and myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please DM us on Instagram or LinkedIn at Horizon Capital and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and hope to see you on the next one.